Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Pastor David with We Are Church. I want to thank you for taking the time to tune into this podcast. Here at We Are Church, our mission is to be a place where people come to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. One of the ways that we do that is through the reading and teaching of the Word of God. So I pray that this challenges you to take your faith to the next level and that you find freedom in every area that you are seeking. Enjoy the message. Amen. Y'all ready for the word? Are y'all ready for the word? (laughs) There we go. Keep that same energy. Let me challenge y'all, man, to interact with the message. I need y'all to interact with the message. Amen. Amen. Um, We are now in our third week of of the Beyond series. If you don't know what the Beyond series is, I asked the Lord um, in 2021 to give me a word for, for the year 2022. What's a word, God, that will shape where we're going as a church? What's a word, God, that will, that will really help define and shape and give us direction and wisdom and, and, and where we're going? And I began to seek the Lord for about a week straight, just asking God, God, where are we going? Give me a word. Help me, God, to lead this church with vision in 2022. And one night as I was just laying in the bed, just thinking about some random stuff, all of a sudden I had the thought, the, the, the word beyond. I just thought the word beyond and it was very random. And when I heard this word, it was like a gear kicked in in my spirit. And, and, and immediately I knew it was God because I was tired. I was exhausted and my, my mind was just racing and I was thinking about all this stuff. But, but when I heard this word, it, it, it woke me up. And, and it was something that just, it just kicked in. So I immediately, I know when the Lord is speaking to me. And so I got up and I picked up a journal and then I began to write down. I wrote the word beyond at the top and immediately I wrote down beyond limits, beyond measure, and beyond self. And we've been talking for the past two weeks about what it looks like to go beyond limits. The Lord dropped this scripture on me, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Ultimately, what the writer of Ephesians is saying is all glory to God who is able, not just uh, all glory to God who, who might do it, but, but, but all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ever ask or think. So what the Lord told me was, I want you to dream your biggest dream for, for, for we are church in 2022 and you still place limits on me. He said, I want you to, to think about your life at the highest peak of whatever it is that you could think of and you still place limits on me. I want you to write it down. I want you to pray about it and you still place limits on me. Ultimately, what what he's saying is if we partner at the work with the work and the power that God is working within us, if we don't resist the change, if we embrace God wanting to work and do something new inside of us, he will take us beyond anywhere that we could ever think, ask or imagine. And so the question isn't whether or not God wants to take us far. The question is, how far are you willing to go with God? So I look at my life, nine years now into the faith, I can't believe where I am. This is beyond anything I could have ever asked, thought, or imagined. And this still, if I think this is all God has for me, I'm limiting him. Every one of us should be able to look back five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years from now and say, man, God did way more for me than I ever thought he could have done. (laughs) Amen. And so we've been talking about the first message that I preached was get out of your way. Get out of your way. The biggest limitation in your life is is, is self. The only thing stopping you from becoming who God has called you to be is yourself. We get rid of drugs, we get rid of alcohol, we get rid of pornography, we get rid of gambling addictions, we get rid rid of whatever the dysfunction is in our lives and we still have self to deal with. It's how far are we willing to go with God? We talked about partnering with the work and not resisting change, but partnering with what it is that God is wanting to do in your life these seasons. And we're going to talk about some of that today. But last week I preached a message titled The Limitless Church. The Limitless Church. We talked about the early church. No, nobody ever looked at the early church of people who turned the world upside down. Nobody looked at them and ever called them limited They never looked at them and called them powerless or weak or timid. But when they looked at the early church, they they looked at them, they seemed powerful, bold, courageous, fearless. 
people would look at the early church and say, how is it that these men and these women are willing to, to go to prison for the gospel? How is it that they're, they're willing to be hung on crosses upside down? How is it that they're being, think about some of the earliest forefathers that were literally thrown into Colosseums to be eaten by lions and, and, and told to just denounce the, the faith and they wouldn't, but they went in there and faced these people with boldness and with courage. Why? Because they encountered a real God and they knew that the only thing worth living for was Jesus. But nobody ever looked at the early church and said, those people are limited. When the enemy came to suppress and contain the early church and tried to eliminate it at its earliest form, the church of God exploded. Under persecution, they exploded. When the world rejected them and tried to shut them down, they, they exploded. And so we talked about two things that made the church limitless. Number one, they knew why they existed. The church knew why they existed. They existed for two things, to build up the body of Christ and to storm the gates of hell. That's what made them limitless because they knew why they existed. That their sole purpose on this earth was to build up the body of Christ and to storm the gates of hell. I said, well, David, how do we move into this limitless realm? Build up the church and storm the gates of hell. The reason we see the church of God in America declining is because we think we can build up the church without storming the gates of hell. These things go hand in hand, but it's, it's, it's when you recognize that thing, that all of your failures, all of your flaws, all of the pain that was inflicted on you, everything that happened to you, the enemy tried to shut you down at your earliest form because he knew how dangerous you were. He knew that if you ever woke up to who God called you to be and recognized the, the God-given identity within you, if you ever woke up to the fact that God wants to use somebody like you, somebody broken, somebody flawed, somebody, somebody who, who, has, who has been through hell and lived like hell, if you wake up to that thing right there, you're the biggest threat to the enemy. He don't want you to understand that, church. So I got saved and I immediately knew I was born to be used by God. I didn't go to church. I didn't grow up in church. I got saved in a jail cell. I picked up my Bible and read my Bible and said, God, show me who you are and show me who I am. And when I read the word, I seen that every person who came in, in, in contact with Jesus and followed Jesus were used by him and changed the world. You, you don't have to go to church for somebody to tell you. If you read the word of God you'll understand that your whole life and your sole purpose is to be used by God. It's to be used by God. I'm telling you, church, there's pastors, there's preachers in here, there's teachers in here, there's people that are going to start ministries in this room that are going to change the world. He doesn't want you to come into this room and actually believe what God says about you. So what made the early church limitless is they knew why they existed, to storm the gates of hell, and to build up the church, and they knew what they had access to. They knew that everything they needed to storm the gates of hell and, be, and, and build the church, they had access to. When Jesus said, behold, I give you keys to the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He said, I'm giving you tools, I'm giving you keys to the kingdom of heaven, and those tools specifically are for warfare. Those tools are specifically for warfare. The gates of hell will not prevail against you, meaning the gates will not be able to stop you from coming into the kingdom of darkness. We got to understand this church that if we want to become a limitless, if we want God to do more than, than we could ever ask or imagine, then we got to understand that our sole purpose here on this earth and in this city, Nashville, Tennessee, is to storm the gates of hell and to build up the church. And you got every single thing that, that, that it takes to accomplish that. It's already deposited within you. You have keys to the kingdom of heaven to, to, to accomplish the work that you have that God is calling you to here in this city. I want to preach a message today titled Stay in Your Lane. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, stay in your lane, bro. Look at, look at your other neighbor and say, stay in your lane, bro. <laughs> when I was incarcerated in, at Hill Detention Center nine years ago, I ended up in a, in a medium security, medium slash maximum security facility. And I, I, like I said, I picked up a Bible. I was ready for change. I knew that when I got incarcerated, I was never going back to jail. I didn't know if I was going to the penitentiary. I stopped asking God to get me out of my circumstances or to change my circumstance. I just started asking him to change me through my circumstance. I said, God, I don't care if I go to the penitentiary. 
I'm not going to ask you to get me out again. Just don't let me walk out of them doors the same as I was when I came in. And there was a man by the name of Fred. And every night Fred would call and yell out prayer call. I remember reading my Bible and hearing it for the first time. Prayer call, which I eventually started doing this when Fred left the pod. But prayer call, come one, come all, prayer call. And right before lockdown, you would see all these inmates, they would, they would separate themselves from everybody else in the pod and they would gather together in this circle. And from that circle, usually the leader of the circle would bring a word. He would have his Bible in his hand and he would share a word about what God was saying. Or he might preach a little bit or teach a little bit. But, but then everybody would lock arms and we would start saying, well, I need prayer for this. I need prayer for that. And we would send up prayers from this, from this, from this jail cell. And, 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 and Fred was, he was incarcerated on a cold case murder. Fred had shot and killed somebody at a real young age in his, in his early 20s and eventually living a life of drugs and alcohol. He ended up, he ended up going down a, just a really devastating road and, and, and killed somebody, shot and killed somebody. But Fred had gotten saved and gave his life to Jesus and ended up having a family and going to church and getting on fire for God and, and, and lived like 20-something years, 20-plus years, I think it was 27 years, just on fire for Jesus like literally cleansed by the blood of Jesus, whole life changed and transformed, active in ministry, has a family like clean and sober for 27 years. And all of a sudden uh, he gets a knock on his door one day and is arrested for a murder he committed in his early 20s. And so Fred is in jail and he's leading these prayer calls knowing that he's facing life in prison. And every night he would get up and he would talk about the faithfulness of God and he would preach from, from that circle and we would send these prayers up. And one night, Fred said, hey, tomorrow's the day. We're like, what do you mean? He said, tomorrow's the day I go to court. I go to court tomorrow, and it's my last trial date. And so we woke up that morning, about 4 o'clock in the morning. We laid hands on Fred, and we prayed for him. And Fred went out to court. Well, we noticed Fred didn't get back, get back at the usual time that people come back from court. And it's like 7 o'clock, 7.30 at night, and his trial lasted really, really late um, into the night. And Fred comes back and he's walking into the, into the cell and they let Fred into the doors. And we already knew it wasn't good news because Fred couldn't even lift his face up. He had his head down, couldn't even lift his head up. And he walks into the cell and he drops to his knees and starts crying. And I mean big, swole, strong man of God. And he hits his knees and he starts bawling like a baby and he's inmates. These brothers and sisters in Christ that met in that circle every single night to pray with each other swarmed him and locked him in and hugged him. And every, you got seven, eight, nine, ten men, inmates in there crying like babies because they knew Fred didn't have to tell nobody that he just got sentenced to life in prison. We knew that Fred got life in, in prison and Fred wept and he wept and he wept. And then he got up because he knew what time it was. And he wiped the tears from his eyes and he yelled it with everything that he could in him. Prayer call. Come one, come all. Prayer call. Come one, come all. And Fred went to his bunk and he picked up his Bible and he got in that circle and he preached the word of God. And he said, it ain't over. It ain't over yet. They may have just told me I got life in prison, but I know Jesus said he was going to set me free. It may, it, I'm not going to have to pay the price for what I did back then. I know one day I'm going to walk out of these doors again. And, and, and he did what he had to do because that was the mantle God gave him. See, Fred's circumstances did not shake his faith. It may have broke him down a little bit, but he knew regardless of what happens, I got a responsibility here in this jail cell. I got to bring the word of God because there's men in this cell that, that are looking at me. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd, cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out, uh, marked out for us. Can I tell you, as Fred was walking to the circle, he was running the race that was marked out for him. 
Regardless of what the judge said, regardless of, of what the jury said, he was running the race that was marked out for him. He knew what his lane was, church. And we need to understand what our lane is if we're going to live a limited life here and go beyond anything that we could ever think or imagine in 2022. We got to know, you got to know what your lane is. And we've been talking about partnering with the work that God is doing inside you. So David, I don't know what my lane is. What is God doing inside of you right now? What's the work? That's your lane. That's your lane. What is God telling you to do right now? For some of you, that's simply just to read the word and get to know who God is. For some of you, that's prayer. For some of you, that's, that's coming into true community or going to Bible study. For some of you, that's actually witnessing to the coworker that God keeps telling you to talk to him about. For some of you, that's to share your testimony of what God has done in your life for one time. For some of you, it's simply to surrender your life to Jesus tonight for the first time. But we got to know where that lane is. One point for this, know your lane. Your lane represents his kingdom. Your lane, whatever the lane is that God is calling you to run right now in this season, it is to represent his kingdom. Can I tell you, he is not calling you to build something that does not bring him glory. Like I said, your sole purpose here on this earth is to storm the gates of hell and to build up the body of Christ. He is not calling you to do something that does not bring him glory. Now, he, some of y'all are called to build businesses, to be businesses that actually stand on Christian morals and values and to fund the kingdom of God. Not saying that you cannot work in the secular world. You can work in the secular world, but if you're working in the secular world, it needs to be the light that shines in the darkness. There needs to be something that is different about you. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter, chapter five, verse 20 says this, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. In other words, what is he saying? We're, we're his ambassadors. We're here in this kingdom, but we don't represent this kingdom. We represent a different kingdom, right? So even though we're, we're in the world, we're not of the world, but we are sent into this world, right? So we may not be of this world, but he sent us in this world to represent his kingdom. So whatever it is God is calling us to do in 2022, it needs to be something that represents his kingdom. Philippians chapter 1 verses 15 through 18 say this, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me, but that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. When you fully understand the lane that you're in right now, we say, God, what is my lane? What is it? Where am I supposed to be going in 2022? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing? We're all trying to figure this out. You may, you may not even understand that you've been trying to figure this out your whole life. You've been trying to find your identity in men and in women and in drugs and in gambling and in, 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 in sex and all of these different things. You don't understand that that's what you're truly seeking, but what, what you're really seeking is to find out who God is first and foremost and who God created you to be. So no matter what you do, whether it's to work and fill up your bank account, what you're really seeking is to know what your true identity is. You're trying to fill this God-sized hole that can only be filled by God. You don't understand it, but once you actually understand who God is and then you start to realize, oh snap, God wants to use me, I'm called to something, then you understand, you understand that that's what you've been looking for your whole life. You understand that the whole reason that I was out chasing these things is because I, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I was, but whatever lane it is that God is calling you to right now in, 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 in this season, we have to be willing to partner this. And, and, and Paul's writing and he's saying, man, you got to understand your lane because if you don't understand your lane, what everybody else is doing around you will somehow affect your life, Right? But when you fully understand what your lane is, you'll stop looking at the, at the lane next to you. 
You'll stop examining everybody else's life and you'll start looking at your life and saying, am I adding value to what God is calling me to do? Am I focused on the mission that God is calling me to do? Paul says it's true. Some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. In other words, somebody's been writing to to Paul and he's writing back to the church in Philippi and he's saying, yeah, it's true. There are people out there with selfish motives that are preaching and they're doing it to try to upset me. Right. But he says they he says others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news, defend the good news. Paul said, I understand my lane. I'm here to defend the good news, the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. He says they may have these wrong intentions and they may be doing something that they ain't supposed to do. But that's that's not my lane. I'm focused on my lane. But some of us are so focused on the person next to us that you stop running. You forget what lane you're in because we're so worried about what everybody else is doing. That's a problem, man. It really is. It's a problem when you go to prayer circles and you're bringing up everybody else's issues that need prayer, but you ain't never bringing up yours. Something wrong with that. Right? Something wrong with that. That's why when people come to me and tell me what somebody else said about me, I don't want to hear it. My counselor always said, don't tell me what they said about me. Tell me why they were so comfortable enough to, to, sell it, to tell it to you. Right? Something's wrong, man. We, we, we're looking at everybody else's problems, but we're not, looking, we're not looking at our own. Some of us stopped running completely because we didn't like the lane we were given. You're looking at some, somebody else's lane that you want, so you quit running in the lane that you were given. God, I don't want that. No, 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 no. I'm not going to serve in the children's ministry. I don't want that. Right? Some of you want a microphone. You want the platform, but you really need to pick up a shovel and start digging and get busy with the work of God. See, you want the platform, but you won't pick a broom up and sweep in the hallways. We need to get real about this stuff. We don't like the lane that God has given us, but God is calling us to serve at whatever level that is. We got to look at right here, right now. What is God placing in front of me? What is God calling me to do? What is my lane? Who am I to tell God that I don't like the lane that he has given me? So my ministry started in the jail cell. I didn't just get up here on a, on a platform. It started in the jail cell when I had to walk around the same people that I was in a gang with and yell out, prayer call, come on, come on, because I recognized Fred knew his lane, and that was the same lane God gave me. I had to worry about the people around me. What was I going to say? God, I ain't doing this not here in jail. No, that was the lane that was given to me. So I yelled a prayer call. Then I got asked to usher at a church. I could have said, no, I know I'm called to preach the gospel. I ain't called to usher. But guess what I did? I ushered every single weekend. Guess when my, when, when, when my pastor knew I was called to preach? When I told him six years later that the Lord had told me to plant a church, not one person recognized the gift of communication in me or me preaching or ever sent me out to do anything. I did what was in front of me because that's the lane that God placed me in. But we got to understand what that, what, what, what that lane is. See, when people run in the Olympics, they didn't start at the Olympics. They was running in their backyard, running track in an elementary school and in middle school. They was at practice every single chance they could get. They've been running for years to get to the Olympics. And we say, man, God, I want to I move beyond limits. We got this big picture and this big dream that we want to see, but what's in front of you? Right here, what can we be faithful to right now? I want to talk about three lanes that every one of us will have to run at some point. And I got 27 minutes to drive this home. Three lanes that every one of us will have to run at some point to move beyond limits in our life. Number one is the lane of suffering. That should excite y'all. Y'all, want, y'all don't want to shout for that? <laughs> Number one, first lane is the lane of suffering. My seasons of suffering brought the deepest intimacy with God I ever experienced in my life. The deepest intimacy I ever experienced in my life came from my seasons of suffering. And every one of us are going to go through things. And every one of you are going to go through a season of suffering. 
and having to go through hard times. And, and I know somebody might have told you that you give your life to Jesus and everything's going to be butterflies and rainbows. And when you walk out this door, everything's going to work out perfectly just because you believe in Jesus. And I know somebody tried to tell you that all of this Christianity th stuff eliminates you from the trials of life. But I'm telling you, church, they lied to you. They lied to you. Because Jesus said, in this world, you will face trials and tribulations, but take heart for I have overcome the world. And he promised us each one of you are going to go through some things. You're going to go through some hard times, but you're going to learn that I'm with you in these hard times. You're going to lose some things. People are going to walk out on you. You're going to face some, some things in your life that are going to make you want to go back to the same world that, that I pulled you out of. You're going you're to go through some things. You're going to doubt that I'm even with you. But in those times, if you will choose to seek my face and press into, into me, you'll learn what true intimacy with me really looks like. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 10, Paul says this. He says, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Listen, this, this, is, this is Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi, literally in prison and in chains for the gospel. Now, what if I told you that? Give your life to Jesus, you're going to jail. How many of y'all, y'all still signed up for this? Right? But he said, I counted all of these things lost. Yet indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss. What a privilege. I suffered loss of all things, not just some things. Literally lost everything that he's ever known and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Literally means garbage. I count it as, as garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Y'all got to get this. And I talked about that word fellowship, the word koinonia, that it's, it's, it's not the same fellowship as me and you coming into this room and having a conversation and walking away. It's, it's, it's the type of fellowship that comes through people, comes from people saying, this is my family. I'm becoming one with them. I'm going to do life with them. I'm going to celebrate when, when, when they're walking in victory and when, when they're going through something. I'm going to cry with them. I'm going to weep with them. If, if they lose something, I'm there for them. I'm going through the fire with them. It's that type of suffering. It's, it's two becoming one without the, the sexualization to it. It's, it's two people coming together and saying we are one person. It's members of one body that have said we do life together. If you go through it, I go through it. And he says this. He said, I counted all as garbage. I've lost it all, but I counted all as garbage that I may gain Christ. So I, I, I'm willing to lose everything else as long as I can, I can gain Christ and be found in him. Y'all need to get this and be found in him. You don't realize that what you're looking for is your identity and who God has called you to be, but you will not find it in this world, church. You're not going to find it in a six-figure job, church. You're not going to find it in a house and in cars and in what this world says success is. The only thing that you will find who you are in is in Christ, that I may be found in him. Not having my own righteousness. What I have, this ain't, this ain't my righteousness. My righteousness is like filthy rags, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. That I may know him. Why do we exist? We exist to be a place where people come to what? First and foremost, come to know God. He said, I will give up everything. I've already counted it all as garbage. I don't want that life back. I don't want my, my accolades. I don't want my status. I don't want any of it back. All I want to do is gain Christ and be found in him so that I can continue to know him and the power of his resurrection. That's the thing that will raise me up. That's all I want. I want, I want the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. So, man, I want to become one with Christ. 
and his sufferings. He suffered for me on the cross. I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship or a marriage where you've had to go through some things together. But can I tell you that I came to know my wife deeper when we suffered together. I thought I loved her before, but when we went through some things, when we went through miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage, me losing my job, wrecking my vehicles, and we, we began to go through the storms of life, but we went through them together. Our love for each other grew. Our intimacy grew. I began to know her. We stopped fighting against each other, and we started fighting together. We became one. Koinonia, we fellowshiped in suffering. This is what he's saying. Is I want that with Christ. I want to I want to grow my relationship with Jesus and become one with him. And I want to be, become more intimate through suffering. Your willingness to suffer well paves the way for others to suffer less. Your willingness to suffer well paves the way for others to suffer less. See, I felt like giving up time and time again, back against the wall, sober, living my life for Jesus, losing jobs, eviction notices on my door. I felt like giving up. But I knew I had to suffer through what I was going through so that everybody behind me would suffer less. If I gave up, my kids would suffer worse than I did as a kid. I knew that wholeheartedly. I wanted a different life for my kids, so I, so I, so I chose to suffer well. So I want my kids to suffer less. Romans 8, 28 says, We know God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That's the key to suffering well. Right there. The key to suffering well is knowing that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and that are called according to his purposes. So I knew even when things were falling apart or whatever it was that I was going through, that God was going to use those somehow together for my good. And he was going to cause all of that somehow to make a difference in somebody else's life. And he was going to turn it away somehow. All my mess, all my brokenness, whatever it was that I was going through. Gives us the ability to suffer well because I've seen him do it time and time and time and time again. The second lane, each and every one of us will have to run at some point in our walk with God is the lane of healing. The lane of healing. Catherine Weed says this. She says, if you don't heal what hurt you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. If you don't heal what hurt you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. So what happens is you give your life to Jesus. You come into a relationship with Jesus. You surrender your life to him. And he begins to bring everything to surface that will hinder you from growing. Right? Those who abide in me will abide. Who abide in me, I'll abide in them and they'll bear much fruit. Right? Anyone who does bear fruit, my father prunes so that you can continue to bear more fruit. These are this, the God cutting things away from your life that's going to stop you and prevent you from, and it hurts sometimes, prevent you from growing and continuing to grow and bear more fruit. This is just the process of what God does. And so you get saved, and all of a sudden you start to feel things that you never felt in your life. I couldn't even identify what it was I was feeling. Because I have been so, so long in my life numb because of trauma that I experienced as a kid and as a teenager learning to stuff in, in, in everything inside and hide my feelings. I couldn't even tell you what I was feeling. I sit in my counselor's room. She's like, what's, what's wrong with you? What are you feeling? I'm like, I don't know how to identify what I'm feeling. You know what I mean? You need to talk to me, David, and tell me what it is you're feeling. I'm like, if I could tell you what this was, I would. I never felt this before. <laughs> but these feelings come to the surface, and this is where most people turn around. You turn around because you're not used to feeling it. We don't want to feel this. But we got to heal. Ezekiel chapter 36, 26 says this to the person who gives their life to Jesus. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. 
I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender and responsive heart. So God takes the hardened heart of stone and he replaces it with a, with a heart of flesh, meaning a tender and responsive heart. So we start to feel some stuff. Come on, fellas, it's okay to feel something. You got to cry in the shower where can't nobody see you. Now these are tears, bro. These, these are... <laughs> right? But, but it's okay to feel some things. Because that's what God does. He, 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 he takes this heart of stone, this, 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 hardened, this hardened heart, and he places a, a heart of flesh inside of you. And all of a sudden, you can feel things that you never, you never felt before. And then the healing process begins because he knows you're not hardened, you're not going to reject it. But, but, but at some point, you're going to start to allow God to heal you of the things that have, that have held you back and that have hurt you your whole entire life because they keep us sick, church. And in order for us to go where God is taking us in 2022, we got to be willing to let God heal us. We got to let him heal us of our brokenness. I say it all the time. We're in relationships with people right now that are paying the price for our past relationships, church. They're paying for our past relationships. It ain't fair to them and it's not fair to us. And we got to let God heal us. I'm going to list the top three wounds that I myself needed healing from. And I believe probably 70% of the people here in this church do. First thing was abandonment. Abandonment. This goes all the way back to my childhood. One of my first memories ever was me at like three years old, four years old in a grocery cart walking. My mama walking me in a grocery cart in, in, in San Diego, California at nighttime. And I remember asking her where my dad was. And she told me, well, your daddy's not here. He's not coming back. And, and he, he went to the bar. And then my other second memory was of when my mom came to Tennessee and I was out there with my dad living with him. And he dropped me off at a friend's house and left me there for weeks. I didn't even know this person. And I remember these feelings of, 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 of abandonment at, a, at an early age. And that continued and it continued and it continued my whole entire life. I, I had these, this, 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 this abandonment issue. So I got into toxic relationships and I was codependent because I didn't want to be abandoned. I was addic uh, addicted to, to toxicity. If you had your life right and your life together, I ain't want nothing to do with you. That's just the reality because I related to the brokenness. And so I had these abandonment issues and I tried to fill that void with everything around me. But what ended up happening, because I wasn't willing to heal from that, didn't know how to heal from that, I did the same thing that my daddy did to me. I abandoned my kids. And I left them on the streets while I served time in jail cells and a lot worse than what my dad did. I became worse than what I hated because I didn't heal from it. Rejection. I dealt with rejection. This led to so many different root issues in my life. Fear of being rejected kept me from even attempting to, to, to try to do anything great in my life. Fear of rejection will cripple you from walking through doors that God has opened for you. I remember walking through drug court and the coordinator at drug court looking at me and saying, David, man, pick your head up. Because I would walk through a door and I would immediately walk through and put subconsciously, not even realizing I was doing it. I could not walk into a room full of people and keep my head up. I subconsciously placed my head down because I had no self-worth I didn't understand my value. You put me in a small group of people, I would be a class clown, but let me walk through a door. And this, even then, going into rooms with pastors and different business people and into rooms I never thought I'd ever be in, the fear of rejection and low self-worth tries to cripple me from walking through them doors. But I walk through those doors with my head high because I know who I am today. I know who God has called me to be. I know what God has placed inside of me. But Jesus taught his disciples to not run from rejection, but to embrace rejection, to embrace rejection. See, the enemy will, will reject you at a, 
Have you rejected, dealing with rejection at an early age? Some of y'all been rejected from relationships you thought would last forever. And so you got that same fear and it's crippling you from moving forward in your life right now because you don't understand. But I am, you got to learn to embrace rejection. John chapter 15 verses 18 through 21 says this. If the world hates you, remember that I hate, that it hated, that is not. John 15, 18 through 21, yeah. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had to listen to me, they would listen to you. If they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, hey, man, if, if, if the world rejects you, if somebody rejects you, it's okay. They're not actually rejecting you. They're rejecting me. He's saying, don't, 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 don't run from rejection, but understand that if people walk out of your life and they reject you or they abandon you, it isn't necessarily that they're doing it to you, but it's just that they can't go where God is calling you. They're not actually rejecting you. They're rejecting God in you. And so I started to walk through doors and into job interviews with a different level of confidence in my life. If y'all reject me, then you reject me. But I walked through those doors with confidence, understanding the favor of God is on my life. And if this door opens for me, then this is where God is calling me. And it's the same thing in the relationships that you're in right now. If a person rejects you or if they abandon you, we can't let it hurt you. You just got to understand some people cannot go where God is calling you, church. Amen. Another thing I had to heal from is betrayal. Betrayal is a wound that very few people recover from. Betrayal is a wound that very few people recover from. What makes betrayal so hard is that it takes somebody who was actually close to your heart to cause that wound and inflict that wound. It's not like a person who randomly broke into your house and stole something that you didn't know. Betrayal cuts deep because it comes from a person who you let close enough to your heart. It's a wound that very few people, that very few people heal from. And it's something that I believe many people in this room have yet to heal from. I think about the life of Jesus. And I think about how he was betrayed by Judas into the hands of sinners. Out of 12 people that he chose to walk closely with, Judas was one of them. He knew what, what Judas would, would do to him, right? But without Judas betraying him, Jesus would have never, it would have never led to the fulfillment of Jesus going to the cross for ultimately you to, so without no, no Judas, there's no fulfillment, right? But if we don't deal with, with and heal from betrayal, and we let that resentment continue to build inside of us, if we don't look at the people that have hurt us and that have done things to us that, that we've allowed them to come close enough to our heart to cause these, if we don't look at them people and we don't forgive them, it's gonna continue, resentment's gonna keep growing, it's going to grow and you're going to get sicker, you're going to get sicker, you're going to get sicker. We got to stop blaming people who hurt us in our past for the, for the mistakes that we're making today. We got to look at what Christ did on the cross. That when he said, I'll forgive you, but the only way I'll forgive you is if you forgive the other people. You cannot be forgiven unless you forgive. It's not for them, church. It's for you. It's really not. I'm going to say resentment is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. But some of us are making these mistakes now, still blaming people who hurt us in the past. But you got a choice, church. Resentment is the mustard seed of hate. If not uprooted, it will outgrow your love. Resentment is the mustard seed of hate. If it isn't uprooted, 
It will outgrow your love. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hells of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there... And there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. He said, used to say you shall not murder. You, you, whoever's murder whoever murders is, is, is liable to judgment. But I say to you, if you're even angry, angry with your brother, you're liable to judgment. If you insult your brother, you're liable to the council. And whoever says you fool, you'll be liable to the fires of hell. We got this, this picture of Jesus where we think that he just came to allow us to run free and, and oh, his blood covers me, so I'm just going to get out here and hold grudges and I'm going to sin and I'm going to... No, 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 he raised the standard. He dealt with the heart issues. And you can come to church, you can do all of this different stuff. He said, but, but, but if your heart ain't right, if you come to worship me and I place it on your heart and I say that you need to go and be reconciled to your brother, don't even put your offering in the bucket. Go and be reconciled to your brother. And he raises the, the, the standard. So if you're even angry with them, you're in danger of the fires of hell. That's a, that's a really hard scripture to read. And I used to get so angry at God. And I said, God, how you tell me to forget I was hurt, I was wounded, I was betrayed. The people closest to me cut me in ways that I never could have imagined. But if I wouldn't have picked myself up and understood that it doesn't matter if somebody hurts me. If God says to do this, then I got to do it. And I had to get mad and I, sh and I shook my fist at God. And I would say, God, how could you ask me to forgive these people? Because I forgave you. Because I forgave you. I realized forgiveness was a choice. And so I chose to forgive and I chose to forgive. Even when it didn't feel like I forgave, I chose to forgive. I chose to forgive. Understanding that my feelings do not dictate my actions. And so when the opportunity came to show forgiveness, to express forgiveness, the feelings followed the actions because I understood that it wasn't for, that forgiveness was a choice. So I forgave because I wanted to heal. I didn't want to be sick. A few quotes that shaped my life. Number one, they're not doing it to you. They're just doing it. If y'all could understand that, they're not doing it to you. They're just doing it. Literally. We've been hurt. We've been betrayed. We've went through some things, but, they, but, but we got to heal from this church we got to understand if we want to go beyond limits, we want to live a life that, that is beyond anything that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. we got to look at the things in our life that has been hindering us from running and who God has called us to be, hindering our marriages from growing, hindering the relationships, hindering us from, from walking into doors that God wants to open in our life. we got to look at these things and we got to say, I still haven't forgiven this person. This person sleeps well every single night, but they're still in my mind and I'm still thinking about them. we got to heal from these things, church. Because it's limiting us from moving forward. I said, why won't you let me heal that? Martin Luther King said, I refuse to let any man defile my soul by hating him. Let me say it one more time. <laughs> he said, I refuse to let any man defile my soul by hating him. He understood that true hatred defiles your soul. It makes you sick. It's toxic to you. My last one, I can't, God can, I think I'll let him. God, I don't think I can, I don't think I can forgive. I don't think I ever actually feel like I, like, like I forgive God. I just chose to forgive. God eventually helped me to forgive. Why? Because I let him forgive. And that has shaped my life and everything that I knew I was incapable of doing. God was capable of doing it. So I let him do it. So I'm talking about church partnering with the work that God is doing inside of you. 
Third and, and, and final lane is the lane of maturity. The lane of maturity. Every one of us at some point got to grow up. We got to grow up at some point. Healthy things grow, church. Healthy things grow. If we're not growing, we're dying. I would say if you're, if, you're not, if you're not renewing your mind, you're reversing your mind. Something needs to be changing inside of us. We need to be growing more and more and more into the image of Christ. And I'm not talking about a, a change that happens overnight. It takes a long time to, 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 to go from where I went to to where I am now. And every day I'm growing and I'm still, I'm still flawed. You can ask my wife. She will tell you. And they're right. I got a long way to go, church. But healthy things grow. And if it's one thing I've done since the beginning of my walk with God and say, I can't stop here. It's nice, God, that I've, I've stopped doing these things that destroyed my life and self-destruct from these, these different things. I, I let go of those things. It's nice to, to get rid of those things, but it can't stop here, God. I want, I want more, God. I want to keep growing. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, and he gives us the definition of love. And he goes through this whole thing. We, we, we say it at weddings all the time, right? Like it's what they, they, they read at weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is gentle. We name all of these things that Paul says is the de definition. He said, if I, could, if I could speak in tongues and I knew all the languages of heaven, but I didn't love others, I would just be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And he goes through all of these things. If, 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 I, if I gave everything I had to the poor and I even sacrificed my body and died for you, but I didn't truly love others, it would be nothing. I'm like, well, what do you mean, Paul? That kind of sounds like love. If I kill myself, if I die for somebody... Give everything I had to the poor. That sounds like love. He said, no, 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 no. You can still do some good things, but out of the wrong motives, that ain't even truly love. Then he says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love keeps no record of being wrong. It's not jealous. It's not, it's not, it's not rude. It, 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 it rejoices when the truth wins out. Right? He, he goes through all of these different things about what love is, and he gives this, this definition of love. And, and we like to quote this stuff all the time. But he says this. He says, when I was a child, I thought, I spoke, I reasoned as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So when Paul says... That love is patient, love is kind, love keeps no record of being wrong. It's not jealous, it's not rude, it's not boastful. When he's going through these things, he's basically saying this is immature. He said, when I was a child, I thought I, I spoke and I reasoned as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So he said, jealousy, that's immature, that's childlike. He said, boasting keeping record of being wrong. Some of y'all, man, y'all bring up, y'all bring up something that somebody did five or six years ago. You remember that time when we was in Walmart and then, what are you talking about? That's under the blood. I don't even remember that. <laughs> Lauren? <laughs> but he's saying that at, at some point, we gotta, we gotta become men and we gotta become women and we gotta put away childish things. I said, man, I want to I grow in who God has called me to be. You got to put away some childish things. Some of y'all know how insecure you are. You need to stop checking that phone. You need to not even know their password. You need to not check it because all you're doing is feeding your insecurities instead of feeding your trust. You want to grow in trust. You want to grow in love for your spouse. Stop picking their phone up and feeding your insecurities because if you look for something, you're going to find something that's going to look like something that it isn't really there. Right? What? I only checked your phone one time. I never did that since. <laughs> one time and I fed my insecurities. I really thought I found something, but I was wrong. <laughs> Come on, man. Don't be doing that in the middle of my sermon. That was like five years ago. I've grown. I put, I put away childish things. Right? <laughs> but we, we got we to gotta put away childish things, y'all. And we got to choose patience. We got to choose kindness. We got to choose not keeping a record of being wrong. When somebody brings something up and you want to bring something up they did five years ago, 
you got to choose not to bring it up. You know what I'm saying? You got to not brag about what you do around the house. <laughs> Come on, man. Stop, dude. I'm trying to drive this home. <laughs> you got to. <laughs> uh, I'm still putting away childish things. But we got to choose these things. Because it's not natural. These things ain't natural, church. We got to choose to grow in these things. We say, man, God, I want to go further than I've ever been in my life. God, I want to look back at my life a year from now and say, God, I, just know, I don't know how I got here. I never could have seen this coming. I want to look back five years and ten years from now and own businesses and, and have ministries and be walking in things that I never thought I would do. I want to see a marriage that was falling apart come and be strengthened and counsel people with marriage. We got to look at these things. But... But it's not going to accidentally happen, church. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be a better husband or be a better mother or be a better wife. You're just not going to wake up one day and all of a sudden these things be different. These are little things that, that over time, choosing to make, the, to make the right choices. And a lot of us can see greater things for us. You can, you can see it. You can know God is calling me to something great and you can see it but you don't know how to get there church you got to know the lane that you're in right now right now and that lane could change tomorrow maybe right now you got to get out of here you got to pick up that phone and you got to tell somebody that you forgive them that's your lane for tonight so you can let God heal you maybe you got to get out of here and you got to get in the car and you got to confess something that you did maybe it's I don't know what it is what is that lane for you right now church but you got a partner with the power at work within us so that God can accomplish infinitely more than we might ever ask or think and stop looking at everybody next to us Focus on your lane. If I'm looking to the right, it's to, to pick my brother up. Not to look and say, bro, you ain't tie your shoes. That, that's okay. You can do that. That's helping them. But right, not to look at them and say, man, you ain't, you, 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 you dropped the ball five times this morning. But you ain't walking. You ain't running. We got to run, church. And know what God is calling us to do. For some of you, it's to pray for your family members every single day. That's your lane. For some of you, you might have a spouse that has yet to walk in here and surrender their life to Jesus. That's your lane, church. You got to know exactly where God is calling you. But you got to do that thing and do that thing with everything that you have. So that you can run in who God has called you to be, church. He said in Hebrews chapter 12, let us run with, with, with endurance the race that was marked out before us. It's marked out for you. You just got to run it. That path is full of choices, forgiveness, courage, denial of self-integrity. Every single day, that path is going gonna, is, is gonna to cause you to deny yourself. You just got to run in it. Run in it. Run in it. Denial of self. And you will grow and grow and grow and grow and God will elevate you and elevate you and elevate you and elevate you so you look back one day and you'll say, man, everything that I built, I didn't build, I built it with God. This is going to last. This is fortified. This is structured. This ain't temporary. This is eternal. I'm making an impact and a difference in people's lives around me. I want to look back one day and see my children in ministry. Because I was willing to suffer well and run the race that God placed before me. Amen. Let's bow our heads, church. Father God, I thank you so much, God, for this day that you've given each and every one of us here, Lord. God, every one of us have different needs, different struggles, different things that we're facing, God, and you're not ignorant of those things. You know what we need individually here in this room, Lord. And so, God, I just pray that individually, God, you would give each and every one of us exactly what it is that, that we need. Not what we want, but what we need, Lord. And, God, we believe that you want to take us further in our life, God, than, 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 than we could ever think or imagine, God. But the reality is, is we know we place limits on where we're willing to go.
So God, would you help us knock down every boundary in our lives that hinders us from running where you've called us to run in 2022? God, when people look at us, will they look at us and not only see a limitless church in Nashville, Tennessee, but will they see limitless marriages, limitless uh, children, limitless mothers, limitless fathers, God, that are willing to go anywhere that you would call us to go, God, into the darkness. If you call us into the darkness, into suffering, if you call us into suffering, God, into doors that we're scared to walk into with boldness and courage because that's where you're calling us into forgiveness, God, into, into healing, God, into whatever it is that you're calling us to do in 2022, God, because, because you want to take us further, God. Sometimes we can't see it. That's the reality, God, is, is that we don't see what's on the other side of it, God, but every path that you lead us down is a path that leads to life. So help us, Lord, to trust you and to walk and remind us, God, when we feel like we're alone, that you're actually with us. And I thank you, Lord, for every life that was impacted today. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise, church. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you want to learn more about We Are Church, connect with We Are Church, or feel led to sow into We Are Church, we want to provide the means to do so. You can give online at weareministries.com, and you can also reach us on all social media platforms at We Are Church Nashville. God bless you, and have a great week.